In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The Feast of the Circumcision commemorates the Holy Family's observance of Leviticus 12.3, which required a male child to be circumcised on the eighth day after he was born. The Leviticus passage was a restatement of the commandment given earlier in Genesis 17 to Abraham when God made a covenant with him. The symbolic significance of circumcision appears to be twofold. First, it required the shedding of blood, which reminded Israel that blood or sac- blood must be shed or sacrifice must be offered to fulfill the covenant. Second, it marked off the organ of reproduction, which reminded Israel that the covenant was made with Abraham and his, quote, seed. The full significance of the second point is highlighted by St. Paul in Galatians, where he writes, quote, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but and to thy seed, which is Christ. The point of circumcision, that is to say, was to mark off the male children until the arrival of the particular male child who would fulfill the covenant. Baptism is the sign of the new covenant that replaces circumcision. Colossians says, quote, In Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Circumcision was an external sign. Baptism points to an inner renewal. This is the main distinction between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Law of Moses was written on tablets of stone. Through the Holy Spirit, the Law is now written in our hearts. This fulfills the prophecy of Deuteronomy, which said, quote, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, that you may live. Another obvious distinction between circumcision and baptism is that women were not able to receive the former rite. The covenant with Abraham was with the male child. The women were included in the covenant through their relationship with father and husband. Now that Christ has come as the firstborn son, as the male who inherits the covenant promises, both men and women inherit the covenant promises by virtue of their relationship with him. This is the meaning of Galatians 3, 27 through 29. Quote, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have Put on Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is why the New Testament sometimes refers to women as sons of God. The son was the heir, and in the New Covenant, women become heirs of the covenant promises. The day of circumcision was also when Jewish people named their children. Our Lord is named Jesus, which means God saves. In baptism, we name this child. Christians typically give their children names in advance of baptism. Otherwise, you have to go a couple months saying, hey there. (laughs) But the significance of naming in baptism is not so much the meaning of the name. Rather, the Christian name is the name by which God calls us since in baptism we become his children. This all gives us some perspective with which to approach the new year. Today is, after all, in addition to the Feast of Circumcision, New Year's Day. In the light of the truth that Jesus has fulfilled the law for us and that we are sons of God and heirs of the covenant promises through baptism and faith, We ought to resist the temptation to approach the new year the way the world does, with the pattern of bold resolutions destined for failure. Part of our inheritance in Christ is freedom from the patterns of behavior that characterize the world. The world resolves to do better. It tries by human willpower to become what it ought to be, and it fails. The Christian life begins the other way around. Life in Christ begins with success. God makes us his children by grace. He forgives us and accepts us as we are. Then, by grace, God begins to do his work in our lives. In order to actually live in a new way in relationship to God and Christ, we have to experience the grace of God. We have to accept forgiveness for our sins, and we have to learn to forgive those who have sinned against us. This is the freedom proclaimed in the Jubilee year in the Bible, when all debts were canceled and all slaves were freed. We are free from bondage to sin and guilt. Quote, We have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. To be sure, there is work to do in Christ, But it is not our striving to be what we or others think we must be. It is God working in us to change us into the people he has declared us to be in baptism. 
It is God making us in reality what we are by faith. For God already sees Easter. God already sees what we will be when his work is finished in us. This is what we are becoming through the daily renewal of the Spirit. Our resolutions for the new year should focus on what God is doing in our lives. So many New Year's resolutions deal with external things. Lose weight, get in shape, or make some visible change. These are all fine and good as far as they go. But God would have us look at the deeper issues. For example, the desire to be thin is often connected with vanity, which is a sin. If weight is an issue, the real question is why? Why is food our idol? And how will we let go of it? How will God's grace set us free through the experience of forgiveness and the power God gives us to live in a new way? How will God's grace set us free from our cultural preoccupation with how we look? how we learn to focus on virtue and not on appearance, on the circumcision of the heart and not merely the outward appearance of the flesh. We must also continually remember in the light of the New Year's tendencies of the world that our human failures are actually a means by which God works in our lives. We know that we are likely to fall short of what we boldly resolve to do. We also know that this human weakness is not failure in Christ. For we make real spiritual progress through many failures that lead to new experiences of grace and develop new strength in us. As St. Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. We are learning to be new people, and failure is part of the process by which we experience grace and are refashioned into the image of Christ. This is why every week in church is essentially a new year. We keep coming to the altar to confess our failures, receive God's grace, and remember again that we are the children of God. We keep going back out into life as new people to once again do the good works that God has prepared for us to walk in. The fact is that our sinful bodies are being made clean by his body and our souls are being washed. As we live a life of prayer, as we work, pray, and give for the spread of the kingdom, we are being changed by God. As Father Joe Miller once said to me after the liturgy, I guess we'll just keep doing it until we get it right. We'll just keep doing it until the new creation is finished and all things are completely new. Christ has come. He has fulfilled the old covenant, God's gift to us, given in baptism and received through faith, is that we are now the sons of God 
and heirs of all of his covenant promises. Thus, for the new year, resolve, as the epistle says, to, quote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.